Hey everyone, and welcome to the Power Within You podcast. My name is Mum Tagera, and as well as being your host, I also run my own leadership coaching, facilitation, and course creation business. The reason why I created this podcast was because through the coaching, I realized that everyone I was speaking to had or was suffering from mental health issues, whether it be burnout, stress, anxiety, depression, and more. But what I also realized was that these issues weren't being talked about openly. This podcast is just one step to make mental health accessible to everyone, to bring information to one place, to hear the personal stories of people who come from all walks of life and how they've overcome adversity. The power with a new podcast is to hear expert advice, gain resources, make mental health easier to understand and be able to implement positive changes. But most importantly, to know that you're not alone, to know there is support, understanding and love out there for you. I'm delighted to introduce George Horn to the Power With A New Podcast. George is currently Head of People and Culture of AEI Music and was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood. In this episode, we speak about George's story and journey of ADHD and how he manages it in day-to-day life. School was great for lots of different reasons, but not really academically, because I found it difficult to concentrate. I found it hard to kind of, unless something actually really interested me, made me feel excited. I wasn't that bothered. Sitting and doing maths, I found that really hard. And so that became the thing that actually I really hate. I've since found a love of numbers, perhaps, in the way that I'm, through my work that I'm doing now. But certainly at school, it was a lot of that, I suppose, stereotyping, kind of like he could do better if he was to focus, if he was to pay attention. There's potential, but that kind of thing, I think, was probably the thing with a lot of my school. And just getting stuff done, a lot of stuff was working the night before or on the way to school or in break trying to get something done before you went into the class and got told off. And invariably there was times when you just didn't do it. So yeah, it was a mixed bag. I think my parents were were good in that they never really put pressure on me. They understood that there were certain things that I really liked and enjoyed. And for me, going off and playing football, playing cricket were, were two things that I absolutely adored. Music was a thing for me as well. Art I really got and anything that was creative w- was good. But it was it's difficult when you, you probably don't have the awareness, and especially back in the, the 70s, 80s. If you were talking about attention deficit disorder, it's just like, well, they're just hyperactive kids. That's just what they do. And just shut up and sit in a corner. A little bit like that across school. And I think that certainly was difficult. My my understanding of ADHD really has only come in the last three years, I suppose, to really get into it and understand what it's actually meant to my life and the way in which I've grown up and way in which I've learned. So, yeah, that's been really an interesting journey. I think not just for me, but for for my wife as well. I think during that period, I just get through it. I'm not bothered. And I got to the point, I think, especially when I got to exams, where I was just like, you know what, this isn't, I'm not enjoying this. This isn't something that I'm really getting a huge amount out of. I think probably the biggest, hardest thing was actually getting through exams, right? And and now I realise how much, like, the ability to get stuff done can be really good because you could be massively hyper-focused. But that, if you've got to learn eight different subjects, means you're hyper-focused on a few and the others just get ignored completely. 
Something like art, for instance. I'm, I'm a pretty good artist. I can draw and I absolutely adored it and, and loved doing that kind of thing and creative stuff when I was younger. But it was literally that if there was that thing, then I would get really into it and really focus in on it and you know my mum often talks about the fads that I had you know so I'd go through a fad we'd, we'd end up with a lot of this stuff that we needed to get so I could do whatever activity or subject or whatever and then not too long afterwards I'd forget about it and then I'd get excited about something else and then go you know through all these different things to get excited like NFL back in the 80s was something that was massive so for about six months I was really into it and then I wasn't it wasn't really until the first lockdown and my wife turned around to me whilst we were spending a little bit more time than probably we have ever done. You know, obviously, we've always worked and kids and everything else that's gone along with it. And she was basically like, you've got ADHD. And I was like, no, I haven't. So for probably three to six months, I was just dodging it and not really paying any attention. And then worked through that a little bit and actually listened to a, a fantastic podcast with Annie Mack and Todd Lattie, her husband. And that one really hit home in terms of like, oh, oh. And then I started looking into it. And then you start to realize that there are a lot of coping mechanisms that I've built up. So immediately when I start thinking about that, I go back to my days when I worked at Ashridge Business School and working with a team and thinking about having to do admin, which I hated because I wanted to do all this other stuff. Someone telling me that the way in which I was doing was rubbish uh, and I needed to buck my ideas up because we were part of a team and we all needed to do it. And so having that and then learning from them and then I realized that throughout my career, I've found those things, the tools I picked up from other people. I've always called myself a bit of a magpie when it comes to things like that. And I will sit and I will watch someone do something and then I'll repeat it. And then I'll take that and make it up my own. And I think that has been the huge thing about me being able to do that. And I think that was also one of the reasons why when lockdown hit, that I kind of went, oh, because there wasn't the normal support mechanisms or, or forms around me, which was work. And being in that, oh, I need to do this, to do that, to do this. It was just like, what's going on? I've got nothing. I don't have to go and do this, that and the other. I don't have to be there. I don't have to do that. I'm not in the room with someone. So yeah, that really threw me completely. So I, I think just that, that thing about being professional and having to fit in, especially early career, during the end of the 90s, uh, early 2000s, when I was just getting going, that trying to find people and, and watch what they did, because I wanted to fit in, obviously. And you fit in during school or college or whatever you're doing, because you can just kind of, you're, you've been brought up doing that. And when you get into work, you have to change the way you actually do things. And so it was literally just following people, seeing ideas that someone had had, one of the first jobs was working in a bar and just having to order like beer and all those kind of bits. And someone would go through it with you and then you're like, oh, okay, that's not too hard. I can get that. And then, you, yeah, so that, that's kind of probably my, like my earliest real memory of copying someone and then adapting it. You bring that into who you are. And it, there was a, a lecturer at Ashridge that I was talking to, and he was sort of saying, like, when he, he'd spoken to someone who'd been at Ashridge 25 years previous doing a course and had come back to do another one, and asked him, well, what can you remember about the course? And he was like, I, 
I can't remember anything about the course, but I remember it was great people, great beer and great food. And that's a similar experience for me. I can't re really like when I, until I look back and think about it, I don't really see what I did and why I did it. But I know that now I'm all of that stuff that he learned then he was in, had integrated into who he was and how he worked. And I've done exactly that. And I see it more and more as I get my head around what ADHD is. I am more comfortable with who I am and certainly where I am and have been probably for the last four or five years, actually probably back to 2016 when I was working at Surfdome or started working there. I was probably still trying to be corporate and Surfdome was like people who are into surfing, skating, snowboarding. Uh, and, and there was no, or there wasn't the same kind of environment, the same corporate environment I've been in a lot. And so that really changed my view and the way I was like, well, actually, I'm seeing like the global head of marketing and he's just fidgety and he's all over the place. And we're in this interview with people and he was being authentically himself. And so I, it kind of that helped me become a lot more, you know what, this is me. I can't, you know, I'm not going to mask as much. And I, I talk about it a little bit more than I used to. I've also gone probably too far and then come back again. <laughs> But yeah, it's that now that I feel like a lot more comfortable in my skin. I had a managing director, an amazing fella called uh, John Lane. I certainly felt like he was a brilliant at empowering me and just going, this is what we need. Let's have a conversation about it. You understand it. I understand it. Let's get it done. And there wasn't like, we have to do it in this form or in that form, in this form. And there was a lot less structure around it, but there was still a lot of direction and a lot of context, which I kind of quote a lot now is, I need context. Don't necessarily need a box to operate in, but I definitely need a, some context to understand what it is I'm doing. So that, that has helped as well with the way in which I, you know, move now through my work life. We talked about your wife mentioning perhaps, you know, when you were in a lockdown that she thought that ADHD could be a thing for you. What was she noticing as your partner, as your wife, the traits, I suppose, that she was seeing? I think more than anything else, I think it's probably she had become aware of it. And then being around me in the way in which I am in terms of procrastination or having big ideas and then not always, especially at home, not always finishing them off because they turn out to be a bit tougher than you th kind of think. Oh yeah, I'll decorate this room or I'll build that wall and, and then you just get halfway through and you're like, oh, this is really hard and I've found something else over there that's really more, a lot more interesting. So there's probably that is significant amount of understanding of where that came from. For me, I, I feel very grateful that she went away and looked, did a lot of reading and understanding of what ADHD does to a person, if you like, or what it means to an ADHD person. In that, we got to a much better place. And I think, you know, really helped our relationship. And she was just turning around and went, you're not just a fucking lazy git anymore, are you? So it was like that, that kind of thing. We talk about parent, adult, child, ego states. And although my wife's not a psychologist, but she would now talks to me on an adult level when there's stuff that's frustrating rather than immediately like because we always do I mean I do it with lots of other people as well is you get to that state where you oh, I just need you to do this I'm going to tell you and actually it really doesn't help in any way shape or form so being able to act and, and be on that same level and is the best way to get anything done with me sometimes 
is interesting you still follow some of the things that your parents do even though you know differently right you think you know better and you still fall into a lot of different traps and parenting is not easy but I think the ADHD or the way in which it affects me is I hope has been really a lot more freedom for my kids and a lot more like creativity probably a lot more kind of empathy and around that that emotional support I think is something that you can't underestimate uh, and I think having that ability with your children is well certainly for me as a parent is I think one of the things there's still still frustrations and as well there are certain things that you want done a certain way and it's only now I'm realizing that actually they're their own people and they, they're not going to do it the same way as I do it so you can't get frustrated you've got to let them do it you've been diagnosed with ADHD like I see there's a couple of types isn't there as well like we told what particular type of ADHD you have so mine is the inattentive kind of more leaning towards that than the other stuff or the other like two but I think there is again it's just you're on this scale so sometimes I have that hyper stuff and, and I'll be all over the place or I can be very focused and it, it really is you can go all over the place and it's just finding that thing where you are more often than not and I think the older I've got I probably fit into this space a little bit more but yeah it's an amazing thing when I was doing my master's level like organizational development program that I did one of the things when I was actually writing out my final piece of work I went and sat in a very noisy cafe early in the morning I had like the murder capital album on almost full blast and was able to work no problem whatsoever full concentration on what I was actually writing and getting things done so it's an amazing thing like when you realize that's my you know one of them the superpowers i've heard it described as in the past you can see that but the thing for me is that i probably go a little bit too far sometimes and then i crash and so i have that thing where i'm very tired and i just have to stop doing anything and can't think and yeah that's the negative part i think being a coach I think that's the way in which I was schooled as a coach was a lot about self-reflection and, and being conscious of where you are and who you are. So I think there's, a, there's been a lot more self-reflection over the last probably three years than I've done since I qualified back in 2003. And I think that's really helped. I have gone through the process of titration. And so I'm on one pill, which is like 18 milligrams. I can't remember the name of it. Typical ADHD. But during that process, there was a lot of instability because of the, the effect that it had on me. So I went from one to two pills to three pills and felt very shaky, you know, a lot of palpitations, high heartbeat, and really felt uncomfortable and had to kind of come off, try again, and then go back down again. And I've settled on one now, and that has, has really kind of helped me focus a lot more. So during the day, that really does like quieten down my head a little. So for me, I know also that my energy in the morning is a lot more there and good to go. So I know that if I've got tough tasks to do, that actually now I've got a bit more support in terms of the medication and I take it at 
like six o'clock in the morning and then it kind of wears off through the day. So the morning is a really good productive time for me. And when I work from home, I keep that as focus time. I make sure then I've got the tough tasks I need to get done. And I'm getting a lot better at scheduling things now in the last few months. Also helped by an amazing boss as well, who's um, really great at adapting to me and the way in which I work as well. But also then helping me to see different ways of getting or improving the way that, that I communicate or achieve things as well, which has been brilliant. And I think that for me is the other thing as well. I, I try to be as curious as possible. And I also I have that uh, mindset of being a beginner. Whenever I go into something, I, I've got to learn. We've just done, I've just trained as a mental health first aider, which was something that the AI music is, has just done. We've put a few people through it. We're then also going to be training about 100 people next year as mental health first aiders across our community. And in doing that, it also reminds you of looking after yourself before just as much as it is important as looking after others. And I think, again, that de generosity that comes from being a someone with ADHD can sometimes be, uh, you forget to look after yourself as well. So things like eating is uh, something that I, I sometimes forget. We're doing a lot of work around our social responsibility, and that includes DEI, and also we're a B Corp business as well. Second music company in the world, I think, to become a B Corp. So that was that was before I started, and now I've just got to make sure we maintain it. We also have done plenty of work on, on the different needs of the business. So we have ERGs, which have been set up to as part of our DAI strategy and one of those is neurodivergent so there's myself and a couple of other people who are in that group and we talk about what's important to us how we deal with work and and obviously being someone in my position and maybe we've got younger members of the team it's it's also about sharing some advice but also like yeah I'm I'm a bit older but I'm still learning and the, it's amazing who can give you like like little nuggets of things that you can just pick up. Keep being that magpie and keep finding new ways of working. I think myself and a couple of other people have been quite open about we're part of the group. So having that visibility and being able to say to others, if you've got any questions, if you want to have a conversation, then we're here. And through my work as well, whilst I'm doing reviews or coaching people or just taking people out for coffee or lunch, which is a great part of my job as well. You know, you start to have those conversations and people go, oh, you know, you mentioned this the other day and I feel like I do that as well. And so then it starts to open up different avenues and different conversations and then you can start helping people. And I know that's happening across various different avenues that we've got through the business. I think one of the real key things is just to understand that you've already got people who are neurodivergent in your workforce. So they're, they're there. We are here. We're not going anywhere. But I think it's, it's that thing of actually realising that those people are really important and that how much they actually bring to your business. Being autistic isn't a terrible thing. It's an amazing thing. And I've seen it work with various different people that I've worked with. But being able to say, look, we, we want to create a space that everyone can feel okay, that everyone can feel safe, and that people can turn up to work and not have to worry about that. And I think we are, here is certainly, we're doing all right. We're getting there. We're continuing story. We can't ever take our foot off the pedal with that one. We've got to keep making sure that we're doing the right thing. But I think it, it feels like people can come and be themselves. And you only get that really 
through the people that work for you. We can do some amazing stuff in terms of employer branding, put some amazing videos out. But really the proof in the pudding is that the people that will work for us or work with us are able to feel and act and be themselves and use some of that stuff. And then it is about making sure that especially your leadership team are aware about what ADHD or whatever neurodivergence it might be or, or that there is a bunch of people who think differently and that's going to bring an amazing experience for other people in the business and for those people who think differently. So what is that going to bring and how much value can you get out of that? Not just simply how do we put stuff in place to minimise any damage. It's like how do we actually really get the best out of anyone that comes in and says that they're neurodiverse. We have to stop thinking that we're all the same and that we have to start realising that there are certain people who've, who think and act differently, who have different backgrounds, who come from different places. I always talk about me as a human, I carry a huge map of the world and that is the experience that I've had the whole journey from when I can first remember all the way to where I am now. And that is completely different and we're having this conversation and you're experiencing it at the same time but in a very different way and you're hearing things in a very different way so I think if we as leaders within a business can remember that and be as flexible and agile with the way in which we interact with people we get to know them as well I think that's something that is something that historically is like you come into work and you've got your work friends but people or colleagues they come in they work with you but actually as a leader you need to understand who they are and what makes them tick and how you get the best out of them. And you can't do that by treating every single one of them the same. So you've got to do a lot of work yourself for that. So Karen Robinson talked about the education system and, and its many failings, but also some of the amazing stuff that it does. But it is about doing it one way. And that simply isn't going to keep cutting it. We have to think individually about those young people who are going through the education system and how we get to them to, in order to keep them engaged with schoolwork, to not necessarily push them down the academic route, because not everyone is that way. I wouldn't have gone down the route. I, I would have dropped maths as early as I possibly could, perhaps to my detriment. But having other avenues and other ways of focusing, you know, he, he talks about knocking the creativity out of people. So you think all the same way. And I think that's where we're, we're missing a massive trick. Uh, and I certainly think now with my experience over probably, yeah, since 2013, 14, going into a few different places over my career since then, I've seen businesses have changed. And the way in which we have worked with people and brought people into work with us, we're looking at the impact that they can have. We are asking them to adopt behaviours or to think about their behaviours and, and what that means and how that ties in with who we are and the purpose of the business. And that's not the same as just do the task, get it done. We don't want people like talk about training, you know, like training's great, but training gets, if you boil it down, perhaps my way of thinking is, if you train someone to do something, they do it one way. Whereas if you help that person understand why you're doing it, they will do it and they will do it probably better than you can do it and then build on that. 
One of the reasons why I'm here is that there's a big goal, which is to change the music industry and to make it, and especially within the electronic music, is to help bring in new people that are going to experience it and that can actually add value and drive this forward and change it because everything changes and you need fresh blood and fresh ideas and people who come from a different angle in order to make that work and work differently or work better and so it's that for us is really important so we do as a business we have our own businesses but we also work as part we call what we call our community and ventures and we have businesses that we also invest in and we work with them and my role is to also kind of talk to them about the way in which they look after their people or the way they recruit or the way that they interact across the business as well and um, we want to keep that moving when we did the first day training last week we also brought in a another company that we work closely with and they came and, and joined the session that we held with an amazing business called Corin and co who ran that session for us and that having two different businesses in the same space really changed the dynamic of what we were talking about and brought in some fresh ideas not just simply about us as a business and how we operate but how other businesses also do things and can operate Thank you for joining me on this week's episode with George. I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.